Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And Young Me, I'm so freaking excited for our guest this week. I'm so excited. This is like, uh, you know, we obviously we have a lot of creatives on the podcast and I, I'm jealous of all their lives, you know. Um, but it's this. I haven't told you this, Brian, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's everybody. But like when I was in high school... This this person, our guest that we're gonna introduce shortly, their job was like my dream job. So I'm I'm so excited. Yo, I wanna, like, all I right, know let's unpack that <laughs> when we have them on the pod. But yeah. yeah, I mean, listeners, you're in for a real treat. I'm just gonna say, you know, in terms of visual inspiration, our guest is single-handedly providing that in spades. And uh, yeah, without further ado, listeners. Um, your guest this week is an incredibly, incredibly talented filmmaker. Please give your ears to Andrew Thomas Wang. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's an honor to join you, and, and um, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so it's great to speak to with you. Man, every time somebody says that, I'm blown away. I'm like, I can't believe you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was literally crying when I'm I was so listening honored. to Kihei Kwan's interviews. Uh, so good. <laughs> Right? He had huge impact huge on impact. my life. I don't think he knows how big of an impact he had on all our lives, right? Yeah, massively. But he was so real. That's what yeah. I loved about him. So yeah, real. Right. He's so real. Yeah. You know, and so down to earth and able to just be real about his emotions. Because I feel like off of, hot off of like a huge movie, like everything ever all at once, and you're doing press tours. You could just be like a robot and just give these like packaged responses. But Key was just yeah. so, so real with us. And um, yeah, I really appreciated it because uh, I don't know. I feel like as someone who's in the thick of it as well, a conversation like yeah. that really provided a lot of uh, solace and comfort and inspiration because th this shit is hard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're also so excited that you're, you've joined us. This is like also next level. I'm, I'm just like... So blown away. I know that this is like me and Brian have to work on this, but I'm always just blown away that people give us the time of day. I'm like, are you sure you want to be on the podcast? Like, Thank you so much. This is, this is making you feel very comfortable and confident in your decision to be on the pod, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I get it. You're like, yes. The, the Asian, Asian imposter syndrome. Gotta, gotta do away with it. Yeah. Since you listened, I'm sure you're familiar with the format of the pod. Up top, we like to ask each other how we're feeling. So, young me, how are you feeling? Actually, I, w I wasn't going to talk about this, but Andrew just said Asian imposter syndrome. And I just tweeted, I, this might be, this might be a little hate. You know what? Whatever. I don't give a <laughs> shit anymore. I, I'm going to be a little bit of a hater today. I feel like I'm very PC, uh, you know, when it comes to other people on this podcast. Today, I'm going to be a fucking All right, hater. Let it out. Be a fucking um, hater. <laughs> and of course, it's like, it has something to do with Twitter because I'm so fucking addicted, like a loser. Like, that's my <laughs> vice. The website Twitter. Like, I have a problem. I gotta, I gotta go to rehab. Um, so there's this thing that happened on Twitter. I don't, Andrew. Are you on Twitter at all? Or I am on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Okay. One of us. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you saw this, but Whitney Cummings posted this joke, and it's just so bad. It's not even like she starts off by saying, "Well, I guess I'm about to get canceled," and then she's like, I, "Like, you, did you just see what I was doing?" She's doing that on stage. She's like, "You guys are Kelly, am I right?" It's like it's so was like <laughs> bonkers, like 1930s like tap dancing act, 
and she makes it like an R. Kelly joke. And but she's like, obviously, the audience is full of her fans. So she rehearsed the joke, anticipating them to go boo. But she says R. Kelly and she says, what are you too woke? And of course, the, the, the audience is anti woke. So they're like, <laughs> start clapping and going woo like that. Like we hate woke people. Right. Sure, sure. And then she keeps going with the bit that she's arguing with the audience, but they're going, yeah, we hate the woke left mob sort of vibe, right? Right. It's so awkward and cringy. And then she says this R. Kelly joke and literally everyone stops laughing because it's so like just not funny. Mm. (laughs) And she's just getting like torn to shreds on Twitter. I think I saw I saw this like the entire joke is just she's an R. Kelly apologist. Because the music's good. But the truth is, it's not even that offensive. Like, you can say the joke, sure. I don't like R. Kelly, but his he has some bops. Sure. I don't think anyone <laughs> would be that offended. By, like, if R, I think the, the premise is that if an R. Kelly song comes on the radio, you're going to be like, oh, this is bad. But then you're, like, you're kind of listening to it. Like, right, that's right, the right. premise. And that's, uh, f- honestly, I, s- I feel like that too. I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't listen to this, but it, yeah. this is a good song. Uh, when no I'm at, when I'm at Whole Foods that. and Michael Jackson's playing, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking twerking and shaking my ass a little bit while I'm picking peaches. <laughs> Wait, Michael Jackson's canceled? Did I miss this? I guess, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, he died and then we were like, we, for- well, never mind. <laughs> um... <laughs> So so the joke doesn't work because she sets it up like people are going to argue with her. People love it because they hate woke people. Right, and right. then she keeps arguing with like an imaginary audience. Right. And then on top of that, the joke is actually not funny. Mm. Um, and so th- the reason I remember, I like when Andrew said um, imposter syndrome, I just tweeted. I was like, well, I just tweeted her video and wrote, this cured my imposter syndrome. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Maybe I am a great comedian. Maybe I deserve a Netflix special. Yo, um, that's very true, though, because yeah. you're so much funnier than her. Wow, thanks, Brian. Well, humor <laughs> is subjective, but but okay. So this is a this is the serious thought I had about it. This is I, what I think is very serious, and I'm just gonna keep it short because I, I could ramble about stand up comedy forever, which nobody wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of feel like you know, like she's she's gotten a lot of like negative press because she apologized. She was like a Joe Rogan apologist. Like she apologized for him saying the N-word. And then she apologized for Chris D'Elia for sexually assaulting minors. And people were (laughs) like, okay, we're done with this. Right, right. But I feel like a a lot of women that are successful in stand-up become successful even if they're not funny because those kind of men, like the upper echelon of stand-up, want her around do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, yeah. she apologizes for them. Oh, for sure. Sorry, Andrew looks so bored. He's like, what the Oh, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm absorbing listening. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know much about the stand-up world, so I'm, I admit it's... it's yeah, no, but I, I don't think... Yeah. I, I think you're onto something here, Young Me, because, uh, you know, we're in the stand-up field, and I've heard that a lot of these women who, like, they're like, guys, girls... They are, yeah. they tear down other women because there's this like scarcity mindset. And I feel that, yep. uh, yeah, I think you're, you're speaking to that then right Then they get here. allowed in the, the world, the misogynistic world, and then they become the lap dogs and then they're apologizing for all the rapists. <laughs> and, yeah. and the, 
and I think there's another layer to this and I'm like, I'm going to be very careful because I feel like this kind of treads on my own internalized misogyny. But <laughs> I mean, Whitney Cummings is known as somebody that's like not as funny as her her peers, you know, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, humor is subjective. But like you listen to showcases w- with her and like Dave Chappelle and obviously she doesn't get as many laughs as like her buddies and sure. stuff like that. Yeah, I feel that the the men that are like running stand up purposefully not purposefully because there's also the aspect of she like kisses their ass but like i think that they cho- they always have one like you know um token woman on their lineup mm. and it's always a woman that's like not as funny and i feel like it's on fucking purpose <laughs> Because, you know, you hear those stand-up guys being like, women aren't funny. That's all they ever fucking say about women. Mm. And, like, there, I know so many stand-up comedians that are women that could go toe-to-toe with fucking all of those comedians. But oh, they yeah, would never sure. hire them. Right. Because they want someone like Whitney Cummings, you know, to, to go and they're going to go on tour with her. They're in Tallahassee or whatever. Right, right. And then the audience is like, wow, that was a great show. But the woman wasn't funny. I feel like they do it on purpose. <laughs> I... I swear to God, because then they're like, "Yeah, we told you women aren't funny." Yeah, no. I, Before you get mad at me for say, I, I, not, I, I don't not. believe women aren't funny. <laughs> every woman I know is fucking funny. But we're not going on tour with fucking Chappelle. We're out like with the gays, actually having like funny shows <laughs> in Brooklyn. You know, very true. Because <laughs> we don't want to get raped, yeah. mostly. I mean, it, but I think we both know this. Like, stand up is it's an art form where your reputation precedes you. So. It's it's not in so much about talent. There's, it's there's so many other variables yeah. of like, are you a good hang? Like, what are you like off stage? It's a lot of bullshit like that. I wish it was yes. more meritocratic, but unfortunately, it's not the case. And that's why a lot of and a lot of unfunny people do carve out successful careers. It's so it's so unfortunate, though. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to be too mean about this, but like. <laughs> Because then you're proving their weird point. You know, then Joe Rogan's like, I told you women aren't funny. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're proving his fucking point. Why can't they hire, like, I don't know, Yamanika Sanders or something? I, I mean, I'm sure she gets gigs too. For but sure. Like, like, it's a whole system. It's, cause, it's a whole system. Because, I mean, like, Whitney Cummings, yeah, she's, you know, say what you want about her stand-up, but she did create, like, she created the show Two Broke Girls, which I'm pretty sure is, like, the most syndicated show in ever like an american television so she's collecting like huge paychecks from that oh, and i'm she did? and i'm just like i thought that was somebody else no she created yeah. that Sorry. but you know it's oh, not okay. my cup of tea in terms of a television show but apparently mm. there's millions and millions of people around the world who really fucking yeah. love two broke girls so i'm like all right well you know maybe yeah. maybe she knows something i don't i don't I, that's not the type of art i would want to create that's a very good point but yeah. Instead, be I'm I'm gonna be mad at those people. I'm like, stop watching Two Broke Girls and watch, but watch other yeah. t- watch other types of television. That's a really good point, Brian. And I just want to emphasize, you know, humor is subjective. Maybe I'm like saying all this stuff because she's not the, somebody that I find funny. But there's obviously middle America loves the shit out of Whitney Cummings. So who yeah. am I? Who am I? You know let's, what I mean? Let's be fucking They're elitist to those flyover states. That's something we can all rally behind. <laughs> classes i'm like they're not gonna laugh at my fucking korean hairy butthole jokes do you know what i mean like they're yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're gonna laugh at whitney cummings r kelly joke <laughs> that's not for me to judge right 
Oh, but anyway, I guess so my feeling about that, it really, I, I mean, I made the joke like I'm cured of my imposter syndrome. <laughs> but really, I took a moment and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to feel bad about me not being funny anymore. Cause like, As you shouldn't. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Because to some people, I am funny. Right? Who knows? Absolutely. I, so, I think that feeling of when you watch something and deep down you're like, I could do better. You know, I think that's a really powerful feeling. Yeah. And worth holding on to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because there's like yeah. sometimes like sometimes the motivation for me to create comes off of, you know, this nice, beautiful place of I want people to see me. But sometimes it comes from I want that fucking bitch that I hate to, to feel oh, yeah. shit. When spite, she sees spite what is a, me is at the fucking Oscars. powerful motivator and like yeah like what you just said that that person sucks so now i gotta really do my thing y- you know yin and yang you know there's no the universe has no judgment whatever whatever energy you need to suck from the universe to create do it. Oh That's, man! Did you guys read um, Pat, Patty Smith's mem- memoir, Just Us Kids? Yes. She has a mo- in the I think in the opening chapter she has a moment like that. I think she's I believe she's watching the Doors on stage, and uh-huh. she's like, I could I could do that, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is great. Can. It's great, and 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 that's what like kicked her off. You know, yeah. she went off and like did her thing. So I think it's a powerful yeah. feeling. This is, we're off to such a great start. Listeners, <laughs> what we're telling you right now, make a fucking mortal enemy <laughs> want badly to do better than them. <laughs> and you will be the next Patty Smith. <laughs> How about you, Brian? How are you feeling? <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling... Well, for one, I'm fucking loving this spite, uh, this conversation surrounding spite and being a fucking hater because this is the type of shit that I thrive on. But uh, quite frankly, I am feeling rejuvenated and fresh because I had myself a very, uh, as the Gen Zers would call it, a very cottage core weekend. I was, uh, I went, I went to Connecticut. So I went to Connecticut this weekend and just chilled by a lake all weekend. Went paddle boarding. Andrew. (laughs) <laughs> we lost him. We lost Brian to the whites. I'm just kidding. Oh. That sounds really great. I'm just joking. No, 100% though. I mean, I, I joke. Yeah. I tell myself that I am, uh, I'm fulfilling my parents' destiny for me because they forced me to play like tennis and golf and play squash from a young age. So this is what they wanted for me and I finally did it. And yeah, so this past weekend I, was, I went up to Connecticut with a few friends, chilled by a lake. We made pizzas, red at home, Aww. paddle boarding on a lake. And young man, I gotta say, the whites are onto something. This was a fucking amazing weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like so much fun. Did you did you have like one of those? um, I don't know why I just saw this in my head, but like a wood fire pizza oven or something. Well, hundred percent. We were like putting wood chips into the into the burner. Oh, you did! (laughs) Wow, you went full white. Yeah, fully. Wow. That's hey, beautiful. I'm, I love it. I'm not that. hating. I love it. It was great. No. You know, there was like Sounds beautiful. You know, there was like a street fair and it was just filled with just awful items, but because it's a street fair in Connecticut, you're like, "Oh, this is so cute. This is this is great. Isn't it great to get out of New York and be a part of this?" Yeah. Yeah. And Did you buy a butterfly <laughs> wind chime? Basically, it was yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> Blown glass. Yeah. Paperweights. Nice. 
It's like I a, love that. a child selling lemonade for $15 a cup, but it's cute because it's a kid in Connecticut. <laughs> um, wow. But yeah, it was much needed though. I felt that I was, uh, the noise of New York was getting to me mentally and this hard reset was yeah. much needed. So, you know, I'm coming back with a clean slate. So you're, you're getting a very mentally well version of me, Andrew. <laughs> so that's how I'm Sounds feeling. Sounds beautiful. I'm glad. Yeah. Self-care. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm all about it. So uh, that, you're getting the cottage core, Brian. <laughs> How are you feeling, Andrew? Amazing. Nice. I'm good. Um, to be honest, I'm very anxious. Um, I'm, mm. I'm on the verge of maybe making my movie. Oh. Um, I've been planning it. I've been working on this for six years. We are closing a deal right now for financing. And if all goes well, I'll either be prepping my movie by end of this month <gasps> Or I won't. Um, or maybe it may be pushed to next year. But mm. I I honestly just can't wait any longer. Um, it's been so long. And I need multiple needles to be threaded for this all to yeah. happen on time. And I know that other productions are also in the fall, like, prepping now. And so I'm just very anxious to get moving. Um, and, like... In my normal daily life, I'm just sitting right here at this kitchen table, like on my laptop. So it's it's like this weird yeah. combination of like being very quiet and sedentary, mm-hmm. and also just wanting to go. Um, so I'm just kind of holding my breath right now. But like otherwise, I'm fine. I'm I'm just like I still, you know, COVID cases in LA have still been relatively high and so Mm. i just haven't really like gone out much Mm. so Mm -hmm. i've been living kind of also what you might call a cottage core life and that i just like (laughs) haven't i've been very like much a homebody so um so you know i'm just like going to bed early and taking care of my health and it's it's all good very peaceful otherwise yeah wow well first and foremost this is so exciting about your feature film um this is for this is for tiger girl right yeah yeah it's called tiger girl um it's set in the 1967 in los angeles and it's about a chinatown girl who's haunted by a tiger in her attic um so yeah it's been something i've been writing for a very long time and i've learned it's been very humbling learning about film financing and how this all Mm. works Ah, so, so you're every, like it's. It sounds yeah. like you're at the home stretch, though. We are. Yeah. We are. It it will happen. It's just a question of like timing, right? Um, and, and you're feeling anxious because you want to like start right now. I wanted to start two years ago. Yeah. You know the pandemic, and I mean it's all been beneficial time, right? But you know I'm just aware of like. I was recently told Disney just acquired a very similar story. Uh, I just want to go. Yeah. You know I I. I yeah. Yes. I think the hardest thing, as you know, as being artists, is that you, you come up with an idea in 2016, but then actually executing it takes a long time. And so by the time the yeah. idea comes out, it feels like 2016, mm. you know, and especially yeah. in, in certain media that just take longer. Yeah. Um, it's harder. Film will always be behind the cultural curve because of how mm. slow slow and difficult it is. Um, That's so, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's just a delay yeah. time. I'm so fascinated by that that art form in particular, and um, you know, like I said, I I 
find it so hard to even like begin to understand how all that works. So it just seems like there's like 15 plates in the air and all of them yeah. have to like be up there. And I, I'm like, I can't even like, I can barely tweet, you know, like five tweets a day, <laughs> you know, but like, um, oh, oh, I was going to ask. So the, <laughs> I can barely keep my one, one thing. I can't, I can barely check my emails, you know? Um, yeah, I was going to ask about the, the film when you said she's haunted by a tiger, is it going to have your signature visual? Short answer is yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons why it's been very hard for me to make a first movie is because my stuff is so visual yeah. and um, they're mm. therefore ex- expensive. And I was, you know, back in like 2016, yeah. I was at this juncture of like, uh, so if I make a movie for like one or two million dollars, like, do I have to tell some like kitchen sink immigrant story, mm. you know, like oh, to right. get to get like financing or funding, funding yeah. financing from or to get into the lab, even just like applying for all the Sundance labs and stuff. I was like, oh, do I am I required to write some heart bleeding story about my Chinese family and blah, blah, blah. You know, right. like, yeah. I don't, like, I felt like my white counterparts didn't have to do that. Yep. But, but it was, you know what, that I, at the same time, I admit that I wasn't being as vulnerable with my work and I hadn't yet cracked mm-hmm. how to weave my identity with my work. So, um, I, I would, I think there, I was, you know, as someone who grew up on a diet of like, labyrinth and the dark crystal and like you know like big big fantasy visual movies i was like you know what i can do both i can make a movie that interweaves both but i need to be i just need to work at it Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and start weaving these things together and so yeah you know i said i said it in this time period because my mom was this you know i i felt like i hadn't seen my parents generation on screen yet Right. Um, right. I haven't. My 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 parents. My mom was a teenager in the late sixties, early seventies, mm. and I just remember seeing photographs yeah. of them, like with big hair, like driving their roadsters around LA. And I, I just feel like um, that could be on screen, and there could be this fantasy component. Um, I love and, that. And since then, also, I feel like we've seen so many writers, um, Asian writers with the same instinct yeah so i really think that the work is already being made it's just not all on screen yet. and i do think everything everywhere is a prime example of course of something mm. that did that so so well that took genre wove it into yeah. a personal story uh that's the kind of stuff we need so absolutely uh, so yeah can i say uh, along the um lines of what you said about what people expect from you like an asian sort of immigrant story um you were you were saying that your big influences were queer asian mythology is that is that am i phrasing that correctly mm-hmm. C- can you like talk about that a little bit because i i am unsure if i've ever even heard of that yeah so i grew up in in a i grew up in a japanese american church mm. um my entire kind of spiritual religious life was just so it was like a Baptist church and it was just so um, whitewashed and, and, um, and my mom was just very, very devout. Um, and I, you know, yeah, that was just the environment that I grew up in. And I always was wondering why, you know, I would, we would visit 
my grandparents' graves, and we would. I remember like doing like joss paper offering, or at least watching my grandmother do joss mm-hmm. paper offering, and being like,、mm. so like our roots are hella pagan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. and we're we're worshiping this Judeo Christian god, right? Um, and as you know,、Tomato. as you know, the church is so popular among Chinese、yeah. people and, and Koreans,、mm-hmm, and like,、mm-hmm. I was just like, "What's going on?" And and、um, I think I did kind of have like, I you know, I I like stopped going to church in college, and I just put that part of my life away for a long time, and and then after like going to therapy and and in my late twenties, and just really thinking about my. Spiritual background, I think, like folklore and mythology and dream analysis and all that kind of Jungian stuff was really new to me,、mm-hmm. and、um, so I was looking at okay, like in in kind of my roots research, I was like trying to just educate myself on what what is Chinese mythology because because my grandmother would like、mm-hmm. you know she would just have like these random like Chinese deities around the house, right?、Um, yeah, like like kitschy ceramic stuff. Um, and it was so mysterious, like, like who's the bald bearded guy with like the little baby like peach faced children hanging off him? <laughs> like who's yeah, you know who like this, like Guan, like, Guan Yin? I see、like、it Guan, all the time, but I have no idea what it is or what it represents. Yeah, like who's that peach lady riding the fish dragon? Like、yeah. I don't know who these people are.、Um, so like、mm-hmm. in that research, I I was like, yeah, I became very interested in mythology, and then. Actually, I was in Mexico City, and there is an exhibit on、um, for an Aztec god named Hochi Pili, and he's like the patron saint of homosexuality and flowers.、Mm, um, wow. And his statue, his statue is him like tripping out on shrooms, like holding、yes. mushrooms,、mm. and like in a state of ecstasy. And his pedestal has like native flowers, like engraved on it. And I was like, "That is so powerful! Like,、yeah. why don't why don't we've got to have, we've got to have a, a, a patron god of, of you know every call? Maybe start to question like where are instances of queerness and homosexuality in mythology? And the truth is, they've <clears throat> like Chinese Asian mythology is riddled with queer narratives.、Mm. It's just a lot of、yeah. them have been erased or just overlooked,、um, or, or you know." Relegated to like folk knowledge or oral tradition,、um, yeah. and so, like I made, I had directed narrative before in my early career, but I I never really it was never personal, and I had never quite cracked like how to do it, and so in in twenty eighteen、mm-hmm. I made a short film called Kiss of the Rabbit God, and it was about a Chinese god that I found through like the internet. That、mm-hmm. is a patron saint of homosexuality,、um, and he has a temple in Taipei.、Mm. Um, and、Why? so I, I was like, "Can I tell a story about this god visiting a Chinese restaurant in present day and him being kind of like a K-pop star?"、Mm. Um, and and so I was like, "Okay, this material is right for the picking, and、right. it's like, n- yeah, we can we can like reinvent this and make it a contemporary language." And、um, so that's kind of. My long-winded answer of like how I kind of came around to that. Wow, I love. Wow, I love. Yeah, I you know I love hearing about all of this and your relationship to mythology, and、um, it sort of like paints this fuller picture of your work because, you know, I was always I was introduced to your work、yeah. through your like music videos, and、um, you know when I would describe it to my friends, I would always I would use the adjective like 
mythological in a way because it you have mm. a lot of like mm-hmm. iconography and uh, I, I love the use of like different types of emergent technologies that you implement into your music videos but it was like these like ethereal cre- ethereal creatures or like you create these like new worlds and i guess in terms of process like you know for instance uh your iconic music video cellophane with fk twigs which was nominated for a grammy like because it's so fantastical like and the imagery is like it's not it, it's otherworldly do you like do you already know in your head how it's going to play out or is it kind of like mm. play-doh when you're making like films like this and it just sort of happens in a stroke of inspiration because it yeah I, I wouldn't even know where to begin like i see your work and your art and i'm like this is so far beyond me like how does this even happen <laughs> Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think I've just been very grateful and lucky to work with artists who are able and willing to have conversation about what the mm. work is about. I've worked with some musicians who are like, I don't know, like just make 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 some visuals, you know, or they just don't <laughs> want to talk about. I mean, you know, asking any artist to talk about their work is like so hard. Yeah, and so I don't expect it, I don't expect it from every musician. But Twigs is unique in that um, within, like, the first five minutes of meeting her, we just got really deep really fast. And mm. she was very frank about the emotional ups and downs of, of the, you know, the, the three years that had passed since her first LP, right. breaking up with Robert Pattinson, how devastating that was, the health problems she was having, the trauma of, like, sudden fame, Mm. Um, it was all, it was basically like she had been through a traumatic experience and she was currently at that time learning pole Mm. and, and, you know, so I'm grateful because she teed me up with just a personal narrative Mm -hmm. and a, um, a practice that she was doing that I knew that I would center my story around. Mm. Um, but also I think. Like uh, my main my main background is drawing and painting, and mm-hmm. so I started sketching like a kind of map of the universe, saying like, I think she she had this idea. She was saying that she was um, at that time obsessed with Mary Magdalene mm. as as a figure that was both shamed, um, but also uh, persevered and and is this saintly figure. Also, just sorry, maybe also just knowing twigs as a public figure as someone who's like can do everything right. <laughs> she's yeah. kind of like the yes. she's like the sure. ultimate baddie and she can just <laughs> kind of do everything but i learned too that like it, there is this striving for perfection mm. that is very clear as as a as like a she's just such an artist i could tell like to me the story was about striving for perfection and just falling failing and and just being human and so i just had a map of like let's start her off like doing pole for an an invisible audience right and and giving surrendering her body to these to this gaze Mm -hmm. and in order to like strive upwards on this pole towards like a perfect version of herself that she could never attain Mm. and then when she finally attains it she realizes it's like a total mirror of her she crashes through it and that like the climax of the video is her fall failing right. and falling. Yeah. And, and then we end with her, the complete reverse of her 
in the beginning, she's like looking just like hot and hard and glossy. And then at the end, she's just like covered in mud and naked and shivering. And, and I, so to me, it started with a story and a map of that universe where we have the, the, the mortal world with her performing for the audience, the upper world where she's confronting this, this herself and then the thing that she can never be and then the underworld where she's being put back together. Mm. And so, yeah. so I think I do try and think in terms of like narrative, narrative. personal, yeah, personal story. It's almost like I was taking her dream and reinterpreting, interpreting it in a visual way and then mm-hmm. drawing it out. Um, so I think that's how I like to work. And I think it is frankly, some of the, again, it's- like, Jungian language that I think is helpful for interpreting someone's story. Mm. I have to say, Andrew, what I, you know, I'm, this is not even a question. This is just a very, it's going to be a very long winded compliment. Um, But, you know, Brian, you know, loves your visuals and they're very, you know, they're very you. I think people can like tell it's your work when they see these like very specific types of visuals. But what I really love is basically what you were talking about right now. Like you have a very strong storytelling like sense. And it's like the fact that you can see the fact that you can hear, you know, FK twigs tell this story and uh, like, she's going to give you all these emotions and you turn it into visuals. Do you know what I mean? And like, I think that's like that, that um that skill in you is so strong because like watching that music video i was like i get it i know what this is about <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like you're so good at communicating that visually and then when you were just saying sorry i was like i was gonna note um the stuff that you were talking about before god sorry it was like i was like really focusing on the story i feel like your personal story about um your relationship to um, not knowing this part of your culture that the, the, like the mythology and how discovering that, and that was taken away from you and like how you're like writing that visually, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that is such a, I feel like that's like, you're just so amazing at that. Thank and it's you. It's really it means moving. It's so Thank moving. You. It feels so rich. Thank you. And it, it takes two, like it, I, I, I really am thankful to her like twigs as vulnerability that couldn't yeah. I, in a way cellophane just can't happen again because I it can only happen with an artist who is as vulnerable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. is as gen, as generous and is as just like acrobatically inclined <laughs> like she got the moves she, and the she trained she trained for like six months to a year to do that and it's her it's wow. not a stunt double it's like That's she amazing. really is um yeah amazing. it's such a uh, good um like What's I, I know there's a fancy word for it now I want to say it but like <laughs> what's that what's that one two animals like uh work off each other like the sea Symbiosis. urchin and the fucking symbi- yeah it's like a symbiotic relationship because there's you you know you on the one hand who's like this great storyteller you know like uh visual like beautiful storyteller and you really know what to do but you but then there's also this other person that's like giving you this emotional openness and vulnerability to really feed into that you know and so it must have felt really yeah like, it feels juicy it's so like you know i don't know rich feeling totally i'm i love i love when that happens i think the chemistry of the band is is so special i i wanted i became a filmmaker because i would i don't want to work alone right I'm, it's very right. lonely and uh, what we do you know your your work is very powerful and i think 
as viewers like we're, we're lucky enough to experience it and justifiably so like you have been uh it has been recognized as such because you know you were nominated like the music video for Sullivane was nominated for a Grammy but you know speaking of which we want to ask you a little bit about some tea here you know uh <laughs> just like a cursory google search will show that there's a lot of comparisons to your music video with uh, with twigs uh to you know uh, a year later Lil Nas X released a music video for Montero which bears a you know a striking resemblance to your music video for Cellophane can you walk us through how that all ask. felt? Because I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> were tagging you on socials. I want to tell socials. our sound. <laughs> yeah, you, you got tagged. I want to tell our a wonderful sound engineer Ollie to like m put implement like a ding sound. Like let let's name all the similarities. Stripper pole. <laughs> Ollie just put in a ding right there. <laughs> um, so heaven and hell. Otherworldly. Sort of falling down. <laughs> Creatures. Yeah, the fall from grace. There was you music know, in both. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to open by saying that that whole experience was really educational for me. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from that whole experience. I also want to open by saying I am a huge Lil Nas X fan. I I do think that his overall marketing is genius. Oh yeah. Um, I'm a big fan, and and I would love to work with him any day. I I um. I think that, you know, and the truth is, yeah, like I, both of these artists, having them on Dupole, both of them, like him as a queer black man and her as, you know, a black woman, I think having them on pole is like a powerful statement mm -hmm. and, and um, a needed one. And there's room for both. Um, I think that the... I think the truth is too is that there's nothing original and I totally acknowledge that. Mm. You know, like That's true. nothing is original under the sun. Like yeah. yes, the imagery that I, I created for Twigs was, yeah, and totally inspired by my own like Christian background mm. and mm. fighting that. And clearly Nas X is, was as well, you know, um right. as as it looks like he also um had some like religious unpacking to do as well and the 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 lap dance that he does with satan at the end is is actually the thing people i think remember most mm. um yeah. so i i do also acknowledge that the videos like achieve very different goals um and the and you know the rest of montero is very different and i think mm -hmm. um tanu muino who did the video is really really talented um i think you know when i first saw the similarities i was like i clocked it but i just like didn't I didn't want to say anything because I just know that it never really ends up good if right. you do. Yeah. Um, but I was I was definitely like encouraged to, and I think I, after saying something about it, uh, you know, sorry. There's also just a lot of side conversations that happened that I can't share on this podcast. Right. I, I think I think what 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 I what I learned too is that whenever there is any kind of controversy um, like this, like there's a lot of conversations the public doesn't know. Of course, if yeah. only they yes. knew. Yeah. But I can't share that, and it was creepy and scary to like have like tabloids like mm. take snapshots of my social media and like Ew. to suddenly be <laughs> to be like on TMZ. It was like weird. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it was gross, and it was gross trying seeing people trying to pit these artists against each other. It was like sad, but yeah, like 
I don't, and I don't think Nas X did anything on purpose. I think like right. I, I'm, I, I, I do know that they knew my work because they, they actually did reach out to me, um, Ooh. like okay. specifically to direct Montero, right. and I said I was up for to meet with him because I, I, I was a fan, yeah. and then it just never happened. Um, mm. And and we were literally at the Grammys together, right? Like, cause cause Cellophane was up against Old Town Road. Mm-hmm. That, that same year and wow. and you know he took home the award which was great and groundbreaking I think that it was I don't I think cellophane was it was Old Town Road I'm sorry I like, mean <laughs> Old Town Road was like this, the, these I are mean, our as words music, not yours not, the, not song not song or musician wise just like straight at, at looking at a music video that's just that's just my opinion it's, it's subjective this actually goes back to the very thing you opened our, our talk with about who holds the keys to making these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that yep. that the Grammy, the Grammys, the Oscars, these award shows are there to reinstitute the power of, of of the institution itself. Yeah. And yeah. to validate it. And and I think what this I think that as tempting as it was to be like Oh, they they copied. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. People like culture is all about copying yeah. and re yes. reimagining. It's not yeah. about that. It's about who are the who are the like cis white dudes sitting in these at the heads of these record labels. Yep, making decisions about who which artists are um, championed over others. Right. The yep. truth is, Twigs and Nas X are are like sovereign artists in their own right, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. but but there is capital. But there There's is a, a white guy difference. in uh, Little Nas X's video that is popular <laughs> among other white men. Just <laughs> saying, there, there are there are executives and yeah. and it's not one person. It, this yeah, this yeah. Is, takes in, an industry wide complicit um, complicity in a system that. Give some artists more capital over others. Yeah, um, and it's, and when you were yeah. when you win a Grammy, it translates into capital mm. or an Oscar. Yes. It, it it translates into hard capital, and so I think what 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 I learned is that like we need to be rather than criticizing these two artists or these no. two works, right. mm-hmm. we should be in, interrogating why music good. videos or why why first of all like why certain artists get boost over others. Yep. Um, how artists are making like uh, Sasami actually, who is your previous guest, mm-hmm. told me that um, that a lot of musicians make more money with their music on YouTube mm. than they do on Spotify. Mm. Wow. Like our, I, we can't separate the issue. Like as music video directors, we're kind of the bottom of the chain. Like it really boils down to which musicians are getting fed at first yeah. right. and who's making money because that translates into their advertising budget of course and then uh, yeah. you know That's, and the I'm, truth is like making music videos is a really thankless it it's yeah. really hard to make music videos there's yeah. no money in it and right. and and i think it would matter less if we were all fed and equally right yeah and if there was more equity it wouldn't yeah. have been a problem absolutely and i'm really glad you said that there's no like beef between artists because they're just creating yeah. but it's like yeah. we really have to like interrogate and look at the system and it reminds me so much of bringing up more grammy beef taylor swift and beyonce that whole fiasco and i was like yeah because yeah, like just i don't know objectively like from an artist's point of view beyonce's music video was artistically better i know that's subjective 
And you know, it's like Taylor Swift's videos just seemed like it was like slapped together in ten minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Am I? Am I? Am I? I don't want to get anyone in hot. I don't want to get Brian <laughs> in trouble with the no, Taylor no. Swift stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah. it's like and then, but it's like like what you said is the capital. Like who you know like what's what's the whole system behind it? Who chooses? Yeah. what's Quote unquote the best. And I think you said it very gracefully and um you know, you're, you're very level-headed about all of this and it is a larger, you know, the takeaway is that it's a larger discussion about the institutions that are in place. And, you know, as, as a fan of your work and this is separate from what you're saying, you know, I, I feel that it's just very, um, it must be really frustrating because when I saw the Montero music video and we can all agree, like Lil Nas X is, he's like humongous. He has like He's just, he's a genius artist, genius marketer. He is like at the pinnacle of the industry where anything he touches, it's like Midas gold. And mm-hmm. the the resemblance was like, it was so uncanny. And I think the timing of it was just very, in fact, it, it felt like disrespectful because you are a Grammy nominated music video director. And just like a year later, it's so mm. obvious that your work probably was on a mood board somewhere and they're like yeah whatever you know like like you see this a lot in the fashion industry where it's like well we're Lil Nas X like we're fucking Nike we're like Warner Brothers we're huge we're Amazon we're Facebook like let fuck it let's just run with it because we have the firepower to like squash anything that may come from this so that's my take you know it is it's like it's like a power imbalance that exists yeah that's how I felt before I talked to Andrew. But then I also, you know, what really resonated with me, what you were saying, I still feel like that. I know that happens in every industry. It's unfair. The bigger person's going to get, you know, take your idea and run with it. That happens. Duh. Whitney Cummings stole my R. Kelly joke. I'm just kidding. I did not come up with that joke. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> but like, that's why I'm actually upset. No, I'm just kidding. I would never joke about that. But, but, um, but after hearing what you said, Andrew, I, I think number one, you're totally right. Things, we just copy stuff off each other all the time without even knowing. Sometimes yeah. I'll tweet something and I'll be like, I'll see somebody like right, saying a joke and I'm like, that's my joke. And then I'll look and they actually came up with it three months before I did. And I was like, oh, well then <laughs> I'm, I'm, and you know, it's just like parallel thinking <laughs> yeah. and no one's really, you know, yeah. like these ideas float around. And also I just want to say, I think what you said about little Nas X is the symbolism with, you know, the devil and making out with the devil is extremely powerful and that's all him and that's like it's all him you know there's similarities but the the core of the idea is like very interesting and unique and and you know yeah yeah i think Nas x's um his his battles with the church parallel my own uh, you know and i think that's cool yes. uh, uh, yeah. but um and yeah you know if we were all just like making ceramics in a safe art space and you see someone else's ceramic and you kind of like do what they're doing and everyone gets an award. No one would care. It would be like really fine. But the fact that there's someone, some invisible hand, patriarchal white hand, just deciding who gets like the, the magic chalice, you know, that, that (laughs) gives you capital from here on for, you know, like then, then that's That's when, you know, it's, it's like, it goes back to the very thing you were saying about this. Just our industries are not meritocracies. Yeah. And, and 
Yeah, it was just an education on on really who we should be, who we should who we should be blaming. It's yes. a shame that that an yes. artist as as hardworking and talented as Twigs, like do you remember at the Grammys, I think a a year or two ago, ago she was pole dancing behind Usher, mm. and I was like, she should be the act. Like yeah. she's not the she backup. She's she should she is the act, right. and that's what I mean when it's like. Yeah. Why isn't someone like her getting as much and th- as as much acclaim? And then the truth is, it's because her work is more transgressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's because it is more boundary pushing and it is more yep. critical. Is the reason why the the system does not want to foreground someone like her. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but I do think Nas X is an example of how someone can also be transgressive and a bop at the same time. <laughs> I think that's that so you, you can't like they're both there like, is, transgressive, yeah. yeah. And then one it's, of them, it's it, you know, yeah. Again, it's fascinating. It's hard to compare these things. Absolutely, because back um, in the old days, back in the old days, it would be like you know, like a black singer and then Elvis, who who just copied that black singer, and then Elvis would win all the awards, and we're like, duh. But now it's like, oh, yeah. these are very similar artists, and. Yeah, how is it? What's going on behind the scenes? Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, appropriation doesn't happen with one person. It takes an entire community to create that theft and to celebrate that theft um, unconsciously. Mm -hmm. Celebrate that theft, yes. It's very unconscious. I remember... Yes. (laughs) I remember, like, you know, in, like, 2011, being Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, we have, like... um, Amy Winehouse, Florence and the Machine, uh, all these like soulful soul women, but they're singers. all like Adele. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all soul singers, but you notice a pattern. Yeah, and who who celebrated that? Who right, is it? Right. Who chose that? It's not. It's never one instance. It's the system, mm-hmm. and and that's where. <sighs> yeah, music is. I think that's why music is the kind of the the cultural ground upon which we we get so fired up mm. about these artists because they wow. symbolize all of these things that we know to be true. Um, whether it's Beyonce versus Taylor Swift, it's really and you know Bjork is the first one to point out too that like the music industry has historically pitted women against women artists against each yeah. other. Yeah. It's like so fucked up. It's and like, like, yeah, like you said, the, the behind the scenes is that they, they're not even against each other at all. You know, like there's no, no there's nothing going on there. There's nothing going on there. And say, so, you know, you don't, you don't see the industry doing that with male performers. No. Male artists. No. I feel bad. I would feel like I was tricked into hating Whitney Cummings. <laughs> There's some room for both of us. It's always coming back to this. So I'm spiraling that. I'm like, I'm a bitch. This like, why am I at going after her? There's room at, uh, yeah, at the table okay. for we'll both of us. okay. We'll just title this episode, <laughs> We Love You, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. I mean, look, right. these are all very, like, relatable. These are all such relatable emotions. And then this goes very, slides very well into the topic of, like, Asians in entertainment, right? Yeah. Like how how hard yes. it has been for us to carve real estate for everyone, and which which Asians are let in first, you know, like which yep. Asians are given the role first, um, and and it's brittle. Yeah. It's brittle. You have such great insight. I love this. Everything you're saying is just <laughs> mic drop, sense. mic drop moments. <laughs> bangers only. Andrew's only bringing the bangers. <laughs> No, but you bring up a great point where, like, it's insulting that FK Twigs is reduced to just, like, you know, dancing behind Usher when... And uh, we have to always mention, like, 
art is subjective, but I think like FK Twigs is so much more. She's pushing the boundary so much more than Usher is, you know. But not, to, but yeah, but that's not enough against like Usher. Like he has bangers too. No. And there's room for everyone. Yeah, different kinds of artists. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's always like there's gonna be like a groundbreaking transgressive artist, like a quote unquote like art housey and sensibility, and then the mainstream's like the mainstream industrial complex controlled by the invisible white hand with the magic chalice is like, oh great. This is this is we have a pulse on this. This is good. Yeah, Let's win. just reappropriate this. But you know, hopefully yeah. it's I feel like that delay is that gap is getting narrower because even with films like Everything Everywhere All at Once, when I saw it, my first takeaway out of the theater was like, wow, I'm surprised it's got greenlit because it's so like experimental and out there. And I hadn't really mm. like seen anything like it before. So hopefully like you know going forward like that gap won't exist as much and like these bigger industrial complexes mm. will be able to take chances on this transgressive type of work which I, I i'm optimistic i think we're like because everyone's so tiktok pilled now like we're all thirsty for something fresh and new visually tiktok pilled <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah I'm, I re I'm remembering all these grammy moments now remember macklemore winning over kendrick <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Over wow, Kendrick. History history has not been kind to that decision. <laughs> oof. I Big remember oof. um in, in eighth grade, um, you know, I saw the movie Magnolia yeah. and yes. Amy Mann did the soundtrack and I was yeah. such a fan. And then I remember she performed at the Oscars and then she was up for best song. And then like Tarzan won with <laughs> Phil Collins. <laughs> And I was like, it's rigged. <laughs> it's all rigged. You know, like, it was a huge awakening for me. I was like, oh, like, fuck award shows. You know, like, um, yeah. Gosh. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, no, yeah. no shade on Phil Collins. You know, you, know some, you know, like, the Grammys are run by, like, 65-year-old men when you saw that happening. They're just, like, having their yeah. little wine spritzers and... You'll be in my heart, or like on a yacht somewhere. They're like, this is the one that wins. Yeah. Phil yeah. Collins was yeah. on the yacht. Get him in, Phil. Phil's, on, Phil's in. Get him in there. Who the fuck is Amy Mann? <laughs> you know that's what happened. They're on the golf course. Oh my god. And you her know? Twitter, I think Amy Mann's Twitter, um, I believe her like description, self description was like Oscar loser for like the longest time. Oh, I, I don't know if it's still the case, <laughs> but you know, yeah, like um, whatever. These are the systems. We're we're all stuck in these straight jackets um, <laughs> well, of I'm capitalism, really that, and we can never yeah. get out of it. I, I'm like shocked that where that conversation went because I thought you were gonna just tell us, you know, like the nitty gritty industry background, and I, I feel like you just like really got to the core of the issue and it was something that people don't think because people were buying this fucking narrative like yeah. it's fka twigs against little nas X i'm mad fight in the parking lot or something yeah. i mean i mean look i i was upset i i was um yeah. and there there is nitty-gritty <laughs> that i can tell you off the record but i just <laughs> but but at the end of the day this is the lesson i learned yeah and it's it's yeah it's you know um in the future, I think I would just keep my mouth shut, <laughs> to be honest, because like the the fan fans are so passionate, and it's really yes. scary to have fans of a mega pop artist come after you. Oh, God. Um, I once I, I had I, I had a K-pop band actually 
very clearly like reference my work, but um, oh god, and and wow. I actually didn't That's know. Just I, I didn't know. Fire. Do you want to live? This is, this is sorry. This this is this is what happened on Twitter. Wow. So someone took screenshots of that video and then of cellophane, and they were like, "Look, this K-pop artist like ripped you off, Andrew." And then I wrote back. This is before Nas X. I just wrote back on Twitter. I just said, like. I'll take it as flattery, cool. Like, I really didn't, I actually was, really was not bothered. I was yeah. like, cool, I'll take yeah. it as flattery. K-pop fans, oh like, took that tweet, and they were like, director accuses this, like, K-pop band of, like, plagiarism, and then they descended on my Twitter. Wow. And it was legitimately <laughs> scary. They were like, oh, Andrew just wants the clout. Like, Yo, and they were oh like, yeah, they were, like, threatening to dox my account. Um, I'm surprised you're still here with us to tell the tale. I am tale. still alive to tell this tale. You um, suffer the ire of yeah. K-pop stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, the director of that K-pop video was some Korean director, and he sent me a video being like, what? Like, come at me. Oh, like, my God. You know, Shut like, really? I was like, what? Oh yeah, yeah. No. Like, it was like, I mean, it was like, whoa. I want to say something. You know, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say some anti-Korean racism. Are you ready? It's okay. I'm Korean. I can say this. Korean people be copying shit. Oh. They fucking straight up rip shit off. To the max. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know East anymore. Asia, but back I do think when that I was the idea, yeah. well, The idea back, of originality is, is just so different. In, different. Yeah. Very different. Yes. Outside of the West. So Very same with Chinese yes. people. Chinese people have made it their identity to copy and make better or at least uh, try to make better but it's like kind of based it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. based <laughs> yeah it's like why can't why can't i just make a balenciaga swimsuit what are you talking about i mean yeah it. exactly exactly Yours is a thousand dollars mine is 30 dollars. who cares i mean yeah. the whole k-pop exactly. industrial based. complex is just that it's so some guy who worked at mtv in america yeah. was like all right i'm just gonna bite this shit and bring it to korea and put inject steroids into it and now we have k-pop <laughs> Very pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, why did that guy get mad at you? Because it's like, like obviously, that's that's you know. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I I really was not I mean, bothered. You're trying to stir they, up shit. You're just like, just, all right, cool. Like, yeah. So just fans are are forced to be reckoned with, and um, it's better just to lie low and let culture unfold the way it unfolds. Damn. Well. We Unless there's money involved, but <laughs> yeah, then you, you get the you know. lawyers. You just knock yeah. off like a K-pop but, video, like ver- like like whatever that director is. Like whenever he makes a new video, just knock it off. Just the, the sure. same thing, and the, make the exact same thing. And if he says anything, you're like, what are you What are you talking about? I mean, I think copying. I I think for any young artist, copying is a powerful form of learning. It's a powerful mm. form of teaching yourself. And, yeah. and studying how something was done well. Like, I mean, that's how I learned to make art yeah. is I copied. I would look at a painting and then I would try right. and, or a Disney character, I would try and draw the Disney character. Right, like, right. like, that's how you do, you are stealing the power and studying it and making it your own. And I, I think we have to honor the power of copying. And, and I think, um, yeah, nothing is, pre- nothing should be precious, I think. And, um, yeah, I think our ideas of originality in the West should be interrogated. I nothing, yes. nothing is I think that original. Why people think that they always came up with everything, and I'm like, no, you're copying each other left and right. And that idea, you know, I I'm the one that said it. I was the one that was being racist against Koreans. But that idea that Asian people are more of a copy cheaty than white people is a white supremacist 
uh, ideology, <laughs> you know? White people say like, oh, Asians can't come up with shits, so they copy us. But lo and behold, you know, we had, we had the <laughs> yeah. gunpowder. We had the spaghetti, the spaghetti. You know, that was ours. <laughs> let's, let's get, you know. They're like, oh, oh, like that reminds me of the, the whole, the huge, um, there was like this huge lawsuit between Samsung and iPhones, mm -hmm, Apple. Mm -hmm. And they, mm. this white judge, for some reason, was like, it was like an international thing, but the, the judge was white, was like, well, obviously Apple, you know, Samsung copied Apple, but then it turned out that Samsung had all these things before Apple, like they had FaceTime before iPhones had FaceTime. Mm. And so Samsung was like, shut the fuck up. It's oh. like, right? Absolutely. White people only see it when they're taking. I think the takeaway is white people should actually be more appreciative when Asian people copy their shit because it's always better. I mean, look at Americana fashion. Japanese people do that <laughs> shit way better than Americans do it. And now you got fucking dope, no. dope threads and dope fits. Yeah. Like, be grateful. No. <laughs> And also, white people are copying all the all of the Asian stuff, and they're not noticing when they do it. Like I always think about this. This might be—I don't know enough about pop music for this to be 100% accurate. <laughs> but I think Ariana Grande is a complete knockoff of like J-pop stars. Like that's she's just a J-pop singer. Mm. Like there, that's what well, every J-pop singer. She's gone like through a lot of different variations, and she's so maybe finally like coming into the final stage Ariana. of becoming a J-pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was like, obviously, her manager, management, whatever people that created her character were heavily influenced by J-pop music. Like, and why can't we acknowledge that? Right? I don't know. Oh. There's no such thing <laughs> as copying. We're, we're all just uploading files from the collective mother brain consciousness yeah collective yeah. consciousness exists this totally exists i yes you've all we have all experienced coming up with ideas and then realizing oh my god like i'm i'm there's like five other people doing the oh, yeah, same for sure. thing you know yeah. and like yep yeah yeah, yeah. well uh, Andrew, thanks so much for <laughs> dropping the hot takes and getting real with us. <laughs> but we're gonna so we're gonna jump into our little Patreon portion here, where for our listeners, uh, we're gonna hit Andrew with some questions about his feelings, about what he's loving right now, what he's hating, and what he's ashamed of. So if you wanna hear what he has to say, go over to our Patreon and subscribe at Patreon.com/slash/FeelingAsian. Andrew, thank you so much for, uh, you know, bringing the juice, bringing, bringing the heat. Uh, I think the stuff you were hating on is something that a lot of our listeners will relate to. Um, I got so angry. I was like, I took that from Andrew. I was like, no, I hate it more. <laughs> but before we let you go, we like to ask all of our guests this one last question. And that is, what is something that you're proud of? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I didn't prepare this one. Um, hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm just like cycling through all these like maybe cliche responses. I guess I'm I'm proud of just uh maybe like I'm proud of my family. I'm proud that like my parents are they're doing they're doing well they're like happy and 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 busy and i they're active and i'm just like i owe everything i have to them mm. and i'm proud of the fact that they like my mom um 
my mom became a social worker in the seventies mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was no Asian, like there were no therapists that could understand Asian immigrant issues. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she, you know, she even like led a um, civil rights walkout at, at UCLA at the time wow. in her wow. department um, because there was no. There were no like ethnic studies mm-hmm. at UCLA at the time, and so she's made it her life's work to to create counseling and therapy, family services for immigrants, and you know mm-hmm. my dad also like just um, you know grew up like really poor in Chinatown and and became an electrical engineer and like worked in aerospace, and I just feel like they're they they're. they're you know, the children of immigrants who really did the work to better themselves and, and provide for me. And I'm just proud that they're my parents and that they've given me um, even all the opportunities I had as a kid to become an artist and, and the encouragement. That's something that I don't take for granted as an Asian kid. I know that many Asian parents don't yeah. foster that. Um, foster that. So I'm just very proud of my parents and my family. So, Andrew, I have to cut you off because we we've had a multiple guests attempt to be proud of somebody else. And I feel like you have to focus oh, on what you're doing. Did I give like an Asian but, response? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that's which okay. is fine because guess what I yeah. did? I just pulled up your website. So I'm going to read all your awards and honors. Is everyone <laughs> okay. This is what you should be proud yeah. of. 2020 okay. Sundance Screenwriters and Directors Lab Fellow. 2020 Grammy nominee, Best Music Video Category. That's the top, top thing that topest thing you can achieve in your field. 2020 SF Film Westridge Grant recipient. That's free money because people thought you were good at your job. Wow. 2019 <laughs> IFP recipient. I don't know what that means, but that sounds fancy. 2019 K Period Meetup Fellowship Grant recipient. Okay. 2019 I'm proud Film of two Indiv- things. I'm proud of two things. What? One, I'm proud in 20, 2012, someone gave me the advice to take everything off my reel that I had done before, to, up to that point, oh. and only put wow. one project. And that was really scary, you know, only being four or five years into my career, right. the idea of scrapping everything that I had on my reel was terrifying. Mm. But mm. I'm proud of myself for doing it. Mm. Because um, by doing it, I was able to completely reinvent myself. Wow. And it's the reason why wow. Bjork reached out to me. Um, you took the So leap. I'm proud of, yeah, I'm just proud yeah. of like maybe having the courage to just totally cut the cord on what I was doing previously and start over. Right. The second thing I'm proud of is I'm, I am proud of doing the labs, the film labs, um, because I think there's a, there is a lot of, it just took a lot of ego death to like start over again. Mm. I'm proud of myself for, for maybe having the courage at the time I did to start over again. Um, I think that's the hardest thing is as growing, growing artists, we all, you know, you make a piece of work and you, you put it on your mantle and even that putting it on the mantle is like so hard. And you're like, Oh, do I need to do I deserve this? And you, you do it. And then when you accumulate your, your CV or what you've done, right. The idea of like scrapping it is so terrifying. Absolutely. The idea yeah. of like starting over, and and I think that um, I'm just maybe proud of myself for just taking the leap to to just be a student again. Mm. Um, it was very hard, and I'm just glad I did it because I I feel like I've grown the most than I ever have in the past five That's years. Great. 
I love that. That would be yeah. like equivalent of if you know I keep making fun of white people on TikTok and they delete my account. I'm gonna be like, my life's work. Who am <laughs> I even? It's all lost. I had my TikTok um, account. I had a, like a lot of success on TikTok, and then they they totally like obliterated my account, and I had to start over. You were making fun of white people. We know. Yeah. Um, that's like, Brian, that's like a really good method in the future. If, if people are like not wanting to be proud of themselves, just read, very aggressively read a list of their accomplishments. They're like, okay, okay, I'm proud of something. Please stop. Absolutely. <laughs> but although I do, I do, lo- I did love that original answer because, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm sure your yeah. parents are, they have to be so proud of your work and career thus far. And, um, I love that you acknowledge that it, it couldn't have happened without your yeah. parents' sacrifice. And, um, but also on the other yeah. side of things like that ego death, that's a really fucking hard thing to do and to completely reinvent yourself. And, you know, we have comedians like Jerry Seinfeld who treat it as like this, like sacred art, which is why he's been telling the same fucking jokes for the last 40 years and it feels stale, <laughs> but you know, I think that's why, um, we're, we're privileged to like see your work thus far because it's so inventive and it's so genre defying and i can see how like that process of constantly having to challenge yourself and reinvent yourself wasn't probably must have been so fucking difficult but um yeah. we get to benefit from all of it so thank you for that <laughs> thank you thank you so much um yeah but yeah. Andrew, the exciting part for our listeners out there, where can they find you and your work online? And I guess like what project should they anticipate? Yeah, um, I guess my Instagram is my main portal. It's my full name, Andrew Thomas Wang. H-U-A-N-G is my last name. Um, You can also, uh, I don't know, I have a link tree in there with all my other, um, Mm -hmm. to all my other stuff. Um, uh, my movie is just the main thing that that you can anticipate for me. Um, it will take another two years probably till anyone sees it. Um, I do have, um, oh, I don't know if I can, I do have another music video coming soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, not soon. Like it, it, it's nearly done, but it will be a while till it's released, but it will hopefully be released sometime within the next six months. Nice. Um, and I just directed a TV show episode for... Um, Wow. Random, uh, it's called Random Acts of Flyness on HBO. Oh, um, the creator is nice. Terrence Nance. Wow. Um, so I was just very honored to work with him. I think he's a visionary. And so that that will be out eventually. I'm, I'm not sure exactly when. Sometime end of this year or next year. Um, I don't know. I would love to do more music videos. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that will be in the works in the near future. Um, yeah, so we want to see more music videos from you too. Yeah, thank you. I I'm I'll be working on it. Love that. And what about you, young me? Oh, you can find me on social media at YM Mayor or TikTok, uh, Young Me Mayor. How about you, Brian? Uh, you guys can find me on socials at It's Brian Park and follow our podcast at Feeling Asian Podcast. And yeah, uh, if you made it this far, everyone, thank you for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. If you made it this far into the podcast, you know what time it is. It's time for some Patreon shout outs. Quick reminder, the best way to support the podcast is on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Check it out. We have different benefits, but any donation amount gets you a shout out on this podcast. 
and with Young Me in Korea, that means that I will be doing the honors of this week's shoutouts. So first shout-out goes out to Michelle Huang. Michelle, based on your name, I am going to guess that you are a back-end engineer at a software-as-a-service startup. But you're also a stand-up comedian. So, you know, you're doing... You're doing the software engineering work. You're making tons of money. You got that equity. You got that bag. But you're also a very damn funny comedian. So shouts to you. And thank you for being a patron of the arts. Next shout out goes out to Kara Luna. Kara, any... Uh, Luna gives me very millennial, Gen Z, witchy vibes. So I am going to guess that you are a social worker who owns a lot of plants and you run an Instagram meme account that makes you a lot of money and no one knows your real, uh, no one knows the name of your meme account because uh, you, you run that shit on the DL, but it makes you a lot of money and you also own a lot of plants and you're a tremendous social worker. That's the most important thing. So thank you for supporting the podcast. Next shout out goes out to uh, one named Juju. This is giving me heavy influencer energy. Uh, just single names is influencer energy. I'm, I predict that you're a mukbang influencer. Um, mukbang micro influencer. You just started six months ago and you reached 20,000 TikTok followers. Congratulations. DM us, tell us your mukbang account, and we'll uh, give it a shout on our socials. Next shout out goes out to Juliana Zhou. Juliana, you are a photographer who runs marathons and, and doesn't tell people about it. Wow, didn't know they existed. But here you are in the flesh, in the amongst us. Among us? Amongst us? Either way, thank you. You're a tremendous person. You put people at ease, which makes you very good at your job as a photographer. But most importantly, you run marathons and you don't tell people about it. So good on you and congratulations. Last shout out goes out to Mylise. Yo, I know Mylise. Mylise is a friend. And now, officially, I guess, friend of the podcast and friend. Uh, without giving away too much, Mylis, rock star, coding person, and rock star musician. So, double rock star. Very cool. And overall, a very cool person. And Mylis, thank you for supporting the pod. Wow, so nice of you. Wow, everyone, this was a great, great, great batch this week. So to all of you who supported and donated, thank you. And for all of you who have listened this far, support the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It really means so much. And woo!